Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's Word. We're in John chapter 14. This uh, is a whole section where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Actually, these are the last things that Jesus says to the apostles before he goes to the cross. And so, so there's some really cool passages here in John 14 through 17. And so we're in John chapter 14. We're going to pick it up in verse 8. And uh, let's pray before we do. Father, We come before you, and again, Lord, we thank you so much for the work that you do in our hearts. Uh, Thank you for how faithful you've been to us, and even in the times that we're having a hard time. Lord, you're there with us, and you made a promise to us that you would be exactly that, the one who's there, the one who comes alongside in time of need. Lord, as we're going through your word this evening, we just pray that you'd be speaking to us and just doing a, a work in our hearts. We're going to be talking about who you are and, and what you've done in our lives and coming into, into them. And Lord, just all the promises that you've made to us about a new life and, and a new heart. And Lord, that's what we need. That's what our nation needs. And God, just want to pray for the country. Just, just pray that your will would be done. And God, if, if you want to wrap this stuff up, I'm ready to go. And if you want to put it off a, a while longer, Lord, we're ready to go and uh, do the things that you've called us to. In either case, Lord, we just want your will done. We want it done on earth as it's done in heaven. And we just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, John 14. We've already gone through the first couple of chapters or, or the cover, first couple of verses and verses one through four, you have Jesus promising a place for us. And then Jesus talks about the way that he was going to go. Thomas says, we don't know the way that you're going. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's where we left off last time, Jesus being the way and the truth and the life. No one coming to the Father except through him. This is one of those passages that, that's just central to Christianity. You can't get into heaven without Jesus. You can't have a relationship with a living God without Jesus. And it's not something that the Christians made up. It's something that Jesus said himself. And people, you know, one of, one of the things that you have with Christ is that he is exclusive. He's totally exclusive. And he doesn't share his position with anyone. He doesn't share his position with any man, any woman, any philosophy. He is the way. He is the only way. He is the truth, he is the real truth, and he's the one who gives life. And again, he's the one who said this. This is one of those verses that I use all the time when I'm witnessing to people. You know, when they talk to me about there's lots of ways to get to heaven and that kind of stuff, and I just go, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so when people have a problem with the intolerance, that's what they would call, call that in our culture today, the intolerance of Christianity, they're not having a problem with the intolerance of Christians. They're having a problem with the intolerance of Jesus. 
And again, I, I, I've been talking about this on Sunday morning because uh, we're talking about inspiration and, and the inerrancy of the word. All the stuff that we know about heaven, all the stuff we know about salvation, all the stuff we know about the spiritual world is something that's been revealed to us, and most of it has been revealed by Jesus. And so Jesus knows the score. He knows how all of this works, and he's not lying to us. And so when he says he's the way, the truth, and the life, no one can come to the Father except through him, that's exactly what he means. There are obviously religions that teach that um, all roads lead to heaven, and there's some truth to that, because everybody's going to heaven. Everybody's going to heaven. There's a judgment. Guess where it's at? In heaven. Everybody's going to the judgment. <laughs> so there's a last judgment, and they are going to be appear before God, but they're not going to have a relationship with the Father. They're going to be judged, and then they're going to be cast in the lake of fire. And so when Satan lies to people, he tells them half-truths. And so there's coming a point where every single one of them is going to be standing in heaven, you know, going, I didn't expect it was going to be this way. <laughs> and what they should have been doing is paying attention to what Jesus had to say. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. You have cult groups that will teach that everybody goes to heaven. So the Mormons is one of those groups. They teach that everybody's going to heaven. It's just not the big heaven. The Mormons have three heavens, and it's called the telestial and the celestial. Uh, what's the other one? What is it? Terrestrial. Telestial, terrestrial, and celestial. And so one, one's higher than the other. And, and uh, if you're a Christian and you're doing the things that Jesus said, then you are going to the tele, uh, terrestrial, telestial heaven. I think it is. You're going to go there. And so you're going to get to heaven, whether, whether you're a Mormon or not. You just won't be going to the celestial heaven. Now, I had Mormons that I worked with, and I asked them one time, you know, if I died, you know, you guys know me, you know who I am, you know what I'm like. If I died, where am I going? And two of them said to me, oh, dude, you're going to the celestial heaven. That's the top one. I was going to the celestial heaven because, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm doing, you know... Real, real Jesus freak, real, real Christian kind of stuff, doing it on the job, and they saw it, and that kind of thing. They didn't have their Mormon doctrine right, because Mormon doctrine teaches that I wouldn't, but they saw, thought I was going to the celestial heaven. And this is what they said, you're going to the celestial heaven, you're just not going to be a god. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm making it to the top heaven, and I'm not going to be a god. Okay, well, you know, there you go, that's great. And then I go, you know what, what's going to happen if I'm right and you're wrong? This is how I phrased it. I said, if you're right and I'm wrong, where am I going? They go, oh, celestial heaven. And I go, if I'm right and you're wrong, you know where you're going? Lake of fire. <laughs> and they were like, whoa. And I go, so why should I be a Mormon? Why should I be a Mormon? I'm in, I'm in no matter what. Why should I do that? And again, they have a, they have a wrong concept. They're not paying attention to the things that Jesus said. There's only one, one way to heaven. There's only one way to a real relationship with God, to communion with, with God, and that's through Jesus Christ. What about people who've never heard of Jesus? And you have that down through the ages. So Abraham was a guy who'd never heard of God, the God of the Bible. He'd never heard of God. And the Bible teaches that Abraham was an idolater. In fact, the Jews taught that Abraham was an idol maker. His, his dad was an idol maker, and he worked in his dad's shop. So how did he become a follower of the God of the Bible? 
And what the Jews said happened, and again, this isn't in the Bible, this is Jewish tradition, but what they said happened was one time Abraham was looking up at the, at the, up at the sky and he's seeing the, the sun and the moon and the stars and these are things that he was worshiping and he realized that they were, they were bound to law. And so you, you can tell when the sun's gonna come up. Maybe not you personally, but you can get on your phone and you can look up what, where, when sunrise is gonna take place. And it's just a pretty simple calculation. And, and you know, anybody can do it if they're paying uh, attention to how the, how the heavens go. And you can tell when certain stars are going to rise. You can tell when certain constellations are in the sky. They're obviously subject to law. And Abraham at one point said, I, I don't want to worship something that's subject to law. I want to worship the lawgiver. And that's when God revealed himself to Abraham. And that's what the Bible teaches about people who've never heard of the Bible, never heard of Jesus, that God reaches them. I think that um, one of the things that Christians do sometimes is they leave God out of the equation when you're talking about issues like this. So you got some dude on an island someplace and he's all alone. You seriously think that God can't reach that guy? Can God speak to him? Can God speak to him in dreams? Can God speak to him in his heart? Can God do things to open this guy's eyes? Can God send an angel to the guy if he wants to? God can do anything that he wants to, right? And so you have these situations all over the planet where people who have no access to, to Western religious philosophy, to Christianity, they have no access to it. Sometimes these, these are Stone Age tribes and they have the command, they have the Ten Commandments. They have, you know, they have a knowledge of the creator God. Sometimes they even believe that he has a son. They just don't know the names. And, and so there's, there have been missionaries and anthropologists that have gone through and looked at the mythology of these people. And a lot of times they have what's called, what the anthropologists call the sky God. And that's the God who created the world who created everything that they can see, but they've lost the knowledge of him and they're worshiping smaller things now. Sometimes they're pantheists and they're worshiping trees and rocks and all kinds of stuff. And the reason that they're doing that is because these smaller gods will plague them if they don't, but they'd really like to know the real God. And again, sometimes his son. It's really interesting stuff. And so anytime that I talk about this stuff, there's a book called Eternity in Their Hearts. And it's written by a guy named Richardson, and he used to be a missionary. And he went through and got information on all these different uh, religious philosophies that come from these ancient tribes and these Stone Age tribes. And nowadays, when people go to witness it to tribes like this, what they do instead of coming in and just translating a Bible into their language and you know start talking to them, to them about Jesus is they, they go in and they ask them about what their beliefs are. So what do you believe about the creation of the world? What do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? Tell, tell me your stories about your gods. And they'll go through and tell the stories about the gods and they'll all be these lesser gods until they get to the creator God. And like I said, he's the one who rules heaven and earth almost all the time. And again, sometimes he has a son. In their, own, in their own philosophy. And the, the missionary goes, that's the guy I want to talk to you about. And then they present Jesus to him. They present, the, they present the Bible, they present the creator, they present Jesus to him. And so God hasn't left these people without a witness. 
And so in the, in the book of Romans, it talks about the fact that the whole creation speaks about the fact that there's a God and that you literally have to suppress the truth to not understand the message. And so you and I are actually living in a world where the creation doesn't impact us like somebody who's living out in a forest someplace. Because, you know, the, the only time that I'm going out at night is to go someplace to, you know, like to, to the grocery store or whatever, and I'm not walking there. I'm getting in my car that's got a roof over the top of it driving there, and when I get there, I'm not looking up. I'm, not, I'm rarely looking at the sky unless I actually plan it. And that's where most of our lives go. Well, people who live off in the boonies in those places, they have no light and they have blazing skies because the, the stars are so bright in those kinds of areas, you know, when they're, when they're off in the wilderness someplace. And the whole creation is speaking to them about the fact that there's a creator. And that's just talking about the sky. And then you can start talking about the land around them and the seasons and all that. kind. These, these people live in the midst of the creation of God, not the creation of God with a bunch of buildings sitting on top of it and a bunch of light in the parking lot and all of that kind of stuff. And so God speaks to people and he draws them to himself. They may not know the name of Jesus, but, they, but God can certainly reveal the fact, and he can reveal that too, but they, he can certainly reveal the fact that he's the creator God. And again, like I said, a lot of times, even without anybody telling them this, this stuff, they know that the creator God has a son and that he's to be worshiped. And so God's got them covered. Pygmies in Africa, when they first discovered the pygmies in Africa, they had the Ten Commandments. Never knew what a white man was. And they had the Ten Commandments. And so you and I are not indis uh, indispensable as far as our witness to the world. We're, we're called to go out and share the gospel with people who don't know Jesus, but God's been working on people's hearts for thousands of years, and he loves them more than we do, and he's totally capable of reaching these people. And a lot of times, again, when people, when people come in to share with them, all they're doing is confirming stuff that God's already spoken to these people. So you got somebody who's off in the boonies someplace, and he's looking around, and he's tired of worshiping the local tree god or worshiping a rat or worshiping, you know, worshiping whatever they're worshiping. He's tired of this stuff, and he goes, there must be more. You think that God doesn't step in right at that point and start speaking to the guy's heart? That's exactly what he does. And if the guy responds to that, the Lord gives him more light. If he responds to that, the Lord gives him more light. And again, God is totally capable of making an Abraham out of any pygmy in Africa. Whenever I, I have people give that argument to me, you know, well, what about the pygmies in Africa? And it's always the pygmies in Africa, right? It's never anybody else. It's the pygmies in Africa. Whenever somebody, you know, starts talking to me about Christianity can't be true because what about the pygmies in Africa? I always go, name one. And they go, what are you talking about? I said, name one. And they go, well, I can't name one. And I go, well, you can't name one because you don't really care about the pygmies in Africa. Just want to make the point first. And this is talking to construction guys. And then I go through and I talk to him about how God, can, how God loves these people and he can reach them. And actually, the pygmies in Africa had the Ten Commandments. Do you know what the Ten Commandments are? <laughs> and have that kind of conversation with the guy. In any case, the way, the truth, and the life for everyone, everywhere on the planet. Jesus is the way. And then in verse 8, 
Well, in verse 7, Jesus said, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. And we could tell where Jesus is going with this, right? Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And so you have this whole revelation of who Jesus is. And he's been saying this stuff all the way through his ministry, but this is, one of, again, one of those places where Jesus just gets really specific with the disciples. And so they ask certain questions. Aren't you glad Philip said that? Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. Some of the coolest verses that you have in these passages come from questions or comments that the disciples make when Jesus is talking to them. And so he says, show me the Father, that'll be sufficient. Then show us the Father, that'll be good. Show us. That word show here in the, in the passage means to make known the character or significance of something by visual, auditory, gestural, or linguistic means. To make known, to demonstrate, to show. He wants to see the Father. Show me the Father. Show me the money. <laughs> and Jesus goes, do you know me? How long have I been with you and you don't know me? And again, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what he's saying there, again, this whole thing with showing, what he's saying there is, I am the visual, auditory, gestural, linguistic revelation of the Father. I'm the one who makes known, who demonstrates, who shows the Father. And this is one of the coolest things that there is about Jesus. Because a lot of times, you know, we, we think of, God the Father is somebody who's kind of, you know, he's kind of far off and he's, and he's kind of doing his thing and he's creator and he's powerful and, and all that kind of stuff. And we, so, so we think of him in those terms. And I'm, I'm just, you know, taking this from when I was a young Christian. And, you know, he's, he's kind of a little bit scary. There's that whole fear of God thing that has to happen. He's a little bit scary because if you tick him off long enough, he comes right at you. And so he blows up Sodom and Gomorrah. That's a little, that's a little scary at times, and you know, the Egyptians, he didn't really appreciate what the Egyptians were doing, and so he started doing things to those guys, boils. You know what a boil is? You ever had a boil? Boils are something that are special to me. When I, when I was three years old, I used to get boils, and I don't know why, there was something going on with my skin, and I remember laying on a table at a doctor's office, my mom holding me down while the doctor was lancing boils on my leg. And so boils are special to me. And when the Bible talks about the Egyptians getting boils and their cattle getting boils and that kind of stuff, that's, that's pretty nasty stuff. And then you have you know, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem uh, with the uh, Jews in the Old Testament and all these different things that went on, you know, the flood and all that kind of stuff. And so the father's a little bit scary. You know, he's really nice at some, at some points, but you know, at other points he just kind of goes off on you right? And that was, that, that was kind of my attitude towards him until I figured this stuff out right here, the things that Jesus is, is saying right here. He is 
the one who demonstrates who the Father is. He's the visual, auditory, auditory, gestural, and linguistic revelation of the Father. So if you want to know how the Father thinks, if you want to know how the Father acts, if you want to know how the Father responds to people and to situations and to, you know, and the different situations that you can come up with, when you're stupid, what is the Father going to do with you? If you want to know what, what, what's going to happen if you're stupid and you're dealing with the Father, or if you're unfaithful and you're dealing with the Father, or you're questioning and you're dealing with the Father, or if you're just outright being a punk and you're dealing with the Father. If you want to know what, what the Father would do in a situation like that, you know who you look at? You look at Jesus. If you're a total wretch and you've been caught and, you know, literally with your pants down and the Father catches you, what do you think he's going to do with you? It depends on your response, but you have that with Jesus. So I'm talking the woman caught in adultery, right? Caught with her pants down, literally. Caught in adultery. And she's brought before Jesus. And you know that, that whole story. And so you see how Jesus deals with people. And I'm not saying that Jesus is always nice, because he's not always nice. There's sometimes where he's pretty intense with people, right? And so, so you, you have some of the Jews in, I, gosh, I believe it was, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was in Capernaum. Uh, Jesus is in the synagogue in Capernaum, and they come up to him, and they show him a guy who's got a withered hand. And Jesus sees the guy, sees what they're doing. And what they're doing is trying to get him to heal on the Sabbath day so they can accuse him of breaking the Sabbath. They don't care about the guy. They don't care, they, they don't care about his disability. They don't care about the power of God. They know Jesus is going to literally heal this guy. So he's got a withered hand, which I don't know what that looks like, but it probably looks like something like this. And God's going to take it and he's going to straighten it out and the miracle is going to be performed at that point, and they don't care. All they care about is the fact that they're going to try to trap Jesus into breaking their stupid Sabbath rule, a rule that's not even in the Bible. And so the Bible says in the book of Mark that he looked around at them with anger. It talks about the fact that he's a son of Abraham. And you know the fact that these people would take care of their cattle on the Sabbath. And they don't care about him. And he looks around at them with anger. He nails these people. And then he heals the guy. And you, you see this over and over with Jesus. He's confrontive at certain points. He's intense at certain points. And I, you know, I always talk about you know, flipping tables in the temple, right? That's pretty intense. He does it the first time with a whip. And what do you, you know, what do, you do with a whip, right? That kind, of, that kind of stuff. With the disciples, he's kind to these guys. When they're worried about stuff, when they're, you know, when they're flipping out because they're afraid, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And there's a couple of instances where they're on boats in the Sea of Galilee and, you know, there's storms and, and they're worried about stuff and Jesus comes and he just takes care of the thing. Stands up and says, peace be still, peace be muzzled is literally what he said when he calmed the storm and, and that kind of stuff. And so you see Jesus um, compassionate in those situations, but it's kind, of a, it's, it's kind of an edgy compassion in the sense of, you know, why were you worried? You woke me up from a nap because <laughs> you thought you're going to die. Why don't you, why don't you believe? Why don't you have faith? 
And so he's kind of edgy at the, at the same time with the disciples, which is okay, that's okay, because they're supposed to be apostles. They're supposed to be like real, like real disciples. You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kennewick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 7.30, 9.15, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.